Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. The following podcast contains strong language, like what the actual fuck. Hi, I'm Abra Thompson and I play Sophie in this country and you are listening to the What the Actual Fuck This Country podcast. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF of This Country podcast. Now, first, he's the man that's just come back from helping everyone in the village, but that's him. He's a people pleaser. He always wanted people to like him, even at school. It's Neil. Oh, you see, that's actually quite a polite one for a change. Really? I thought that was being quite horrible to you. Oh, really? <laughs> you were very, ne- very needy. You're a very needy uh, person. No, I'm a people person. I've been out on my bike with the basket on the front doing my errands. Oh, the like Elliot and E.T. That's exactly <laughs> like that. Me being E.T. in the basket. Okay. Now, lockdown has been a very strange time for everyone. Whether you've been working all through or have been furloughed throughout, it can have strange effects on you and your mental health. Our super fan guest this episode is the author of a series of unfortunate stereotypes naming and shaming mental health stigmas please welcome to wta health lucy nickel with an l yes with an l <laughs> not two not hello, two. Lucy. hello <laughs> lucy how are you i'm very good thank you how are you we're very good we're very good now the thing we've had with these um lockdown episodes We've got a few in the bank so we're recording this in july this will be going out in august so as with what's happened with lockdown, things change very, very quickly, but also things seem to stay the same for a lot of people. How has lockdown been for you? Things have changed very, very quickly for me. So I went into lockdown with a, a full-time job, was made redundant, um, started building up my freelance work, and I'm now self-employed. So it's been, it's, things have changed a lot. Things that haven't changed a lot um, are, well, the fact that I still get harassed by my cats who may well show up as we're talking. (laughs) You know, people say it's hard to work with children. It's also quite difficult to work with cats, um, especially needy ones called Dennis. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's it's been a journey. 
even though I've been stuck locked down in the house, it's been a journey. Mm. <laughs> have you actually been stuck? Have you stayed in and been pretty good, or did you go out and have your daily exercise and do all of those sort of things? Oh, I um, yeah. Well, we actually we've lived here for like um, five or six years or something, and it was only when lockdown hit that we actually discovered we've got the most beautiful woodland walk on the doorstep, literally on the doorstep, like a few meters away. So that is kind of shocking. It's like when you go travel to another country and they know all the places in the UK because they've travelled around it, and you've not left like Cherry Burton or wherever. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I did get out and about. We were very good following rules, have to say. Um, I had a, a few aggressive encounters in Tesco um, <laughs> with, with uh, especially with a man who was not going to follow the rules and also a couple who got too close for comfort when I was looking at pyjamas in, oh, this was Asda, um, even if it wasn't lockdown. So yeah, I find supermarkets incredibly stressful, but I've, I've mm-hmm. managed to socialise on Zoom and sit in the neighbour's garden in my anorak in the rain with a, a beer. So it's been good. <laughs> And have you been binging TV series? Yes, yes. Um, well, obviously, it wasn't that long ago that I found this country, and that was during lockdown. Um, and I, I found that, and one Sunday, and kind of just went through the whole thing. I've wa- I watched it twice in a row because I then introduced my other half to it. So there was that, and um, my agent actually just told me about. Big Little Lies, so I've been two seasons of that. Killing Eve, season three. Um, so yeah, I've watched lots of good telly. There's probably loads more. <laughs> the thing is, it's like a lot of people say that there's too much TV, and you you never get time to watch it. But then it's weird because I I have the same thing. There's so many times when I've been at work and I think somebody's told me that that's a really great series. I must watch that. I must watch that. Now I've had like 14 weeks of sort of doing nothing. I've not watched any of the TV series that I said I was going to sit down. Mm. You know, I, I wish I could break my legs so that I'd have a, three or four weeks I could just sit down. And watch. I've done that and I've still not watched the episodes. Is there anything that you, like at the start of lockdown, that you thought, I could, I could do that, I could do this, that you haven't sort of got round to doing? Oh, my word. Yeah, learn the guitar. You know, like everybody. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn a language. I'm going to mm. learn an instrument. I'm going to become an artist. No, no. I've done gardening. <laughs> I've killed a few plants and um, mowed the lawn. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I've, I've not been one of those sourdough bed breakers or banana loaf makers. I've just, you know, I haven't baked a thing. I've ordered mm. a few takeaways. <laughs> Maybe I should have had that as an ambition. I've ordered more takeaways than normal. No, I don't think I've learned any. Oh, there was one thing. We've got bunnies. That's a new thing. Um, because my husband has been working with animals and they've had to um, to limit how often and how many staff they need. They've almost farmed out some of the animals to individual keepers. So I've um, I've had my first rabbit bite. You can't really see it now. It was seriously impressive when it happened. But wow. yeah, daffodil devoured me. <laughs> 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 a t-shirt if ever i saw it <laughs> <laughs> so you had the joy of watching uh this country for the first time and getting to binge it rather than watch it weekly um what was it that hooked you straight in then lucy i recognized it i lived it i i 
I grew up in this in this village called Cherry Burton in East Yorkshire and you know even the name just lends itself to that sort of image and 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 they reminded me of my friends I remember that the um we were the only girls that went to a different school and a lot of the girls that um lived in in Cherry Burton a lot of them kind of like horse riding and um you know that well we didn't hang out with them we we did water fights on the bus with the boys and and it was just the idea I think that it's a kind of a acute rebellion if that makes sense mm. they're totally harmless um completely harmless and but they're always getting into trouble and I think that's the thing I loved about it you know having water fights and egg fights on buses or um you know breaking into the church and you know or just just fun stuff like that um I mean when we accidentally set fire to the playing fields that was probably less <laughs> harmless that, hang on how old how old were you when you accidentally set fire to the playing field um 14 I think okay I want to do a little bit of a deep dive in this now because uh, <laughs> Yeah. So how how did you accidentally try uh, set set fire? Did you take things that could set fire to grass with you, or was it a magnifying glass in the sunshine? Was it that kind of thing? No, it was. So Cherry Burton playing fields. They had this, um, you know, like slide and all these wooden. <laughs> See where this is going. <laughs> A lot of a lot of wooden stuff built around it, and I remember going up there with my friend Sarah and just hanging out like teenagers do, and chattering away and uh, <laughs> playing with matches, um, not with the intention of setting fire to anything, but just playing with them and putting them out on the wood. <laughs> there was nothing um, that would have made us think that that was going to set on fire when we left there was no sign of fire and then my sister walked the dog the next day and said uh, oh I think Dave Scully's been up at the playing fields again and it just hit me and the reason she said that is because we remembered getting off the bus and seeing um, our friend Dave who sadly passed away a few years ago but he was always in trouble and we just remember him running down the road as we got off the school bus just black like totally covered in black <laughs> accidentally set playing fields on fire but another area yeah. so anyway I ran out to have a look and I looked up from the road right up past there was a farmer's field and then there was the playing fields and the flames were huge oh my goodness oh. So I remember thinking, shit. <laughs> so I went and got Sarah and said, we'll set the bloody playing fields on fire. We're like, shit, what are we going to do? So we went to Dave's house because Dave had experience in this. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he wasn't very helpful. He just laughed at us and, and you know, took a piss on it. To Well, no, I don't know why I'm doing that. He did take a piss on it, um, which obviously didn't put it out. And then I had this really, like, straight-laced boyfriend who came up, saw it, went away and called the fire brigade, which we thought was incredibly irresponsible of him to do as a friend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the fire brigade came and put it out and we were all hiding in the rapeseed field. 
to stay out of trouble. Could, could you not have um, blamed Dave, and they would have they would have totally believed that it was him, wouldn't they? They would never have thought it was like two angelic fourteen year old <laughs> girls when there's Dave probably still singed eyebrows, still got soot behind his ears, and yeah, in his fingernails. Dave was in trouble for everything. He was such a character in the village. Um, he was a couple of years older than us. So we were a bunch of girls that went to one school and then there were the older lads. So they're all at least two years older than us that we hung around with. And it was that stereotypical thing in a village. Um, you hung out in the in the bush shelter and you drank diamond white in the bush <laughs> shelter and you smoked ciggies in the bush shelter and you maybe sniffed a bit of poppers in the bush shelter. And it was... <laughs> It was just because I think there, there was no way of getting out. There, there were maybe a bus an hour and you needed a bus fare anyway to get out of the village. And um, so it was just finding stuff to do. But um, yeah, the council, I think, didn't like the fact that we would hang out in the bus shelves and the fact that the older benchies who had this battered Ford Fiesta used to play the prodigy on full blast and they'd hang out on the bench they were older than us they were a bit rebellious um and the council obviously didn't like it so it wasn't long before the bus shelter and the bench were removed oh really village life yes yeah <laughs> i, I didn't really did. i didn't realize when we booked you to come on the podcast that we were going to be talking to yorkshire's version of kerry i honestly <laughs> didn't realize that this, this pandora's box is now opened and Yorkshire police are scribbling away, going right all of those those moments when things were on fire. Uh, probably, I, I don't know what I'm, the thing. There must is, be a statute of limitations on it, so I'm sure you're. I'm sure I you're hope fine. So, but the thing is, it was like none of it that was done with malice, and it was accidental. And it was so funny because uh, my sister bumped into an old friend from the village, Phil, who uh, dropped her off at my mum's a few weeks ago, and. Um, admitted that he had put the windows through in the pavilion or something and uh, my sister was like oh thank god for that mother now you know because the police had been around knocking on all the doors and my mum grounded her and took her pocket money off her really sat there going remember that time so yeah but it was all it was all well i'd say it was harmless we weren't like you know drug dealing no <laughs> we were just having a laugh yeah, yeah, it's like you said, with no malice. Did you have people that related to the characters in this country? Did you have, like, your own big Mandy and such? Yeah, there was a girl that um, was I was friends with that I was frightened of. <laughs> um, and I remember that I, I kind of wanted to hang out with her, but I was a bit scared because she, she, was, she was pretty tough. Um, she was bigger than me. Um, she used to get up to all sorts of bother. I'll not incriminate her on here. <laughs> she's probably a really like straight down the line mum now. But um, yeah, you've done enough damage with Dave and Phil to be perfectly honest. So, <laughs> so let's not go for the hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she was um, she was uh, she was good fun. She was every oh my cat. There you go. Watch out, out Dennis. Um, she was she was great fun and everything, but I was slightly scared of her. So um, yeah, I remember I sometimes used to hide from her because I didn't like her. Can you tell I'm scared of her now? Yeah, yeah. Because I don't want her to. I don't want her to think I don't like her. She no. hears this. Um, but yeah, she was she was probably that character, and I think Dave was probably the curtain of. 
the village. <laughs> um, you know, he was the one that always ended up in the paper for setting the playing fields on fire or whatever. And um, yeah, we 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 do miss him because he, as I say, passed away a few years ago, which is 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 really sad. But um, what a character! What memories! <laughs> Goodness me. Uh, but you, I mean, the, the difference is, I mean, you did manage to sort of get out of the village, which is one thing that Kerry and Kurt, and I mean, we've said it before, that we think Kurt and probably would like to, but Kerry is very happy in that situation, almost like the Truman Show, where there's a, an actual wall around the village and she doesn't want to go past that mm. wall. Was there a lot of people like that that you lived at, lived within the village that just didn't, was, was happy where they were? I think there are a few people who stayed um I think my sister's still in touch with a few people who stayed but to be honest we um we fled the picturesque village of Cherry Burton and moved to Hull when we were 17 right so um so you found this whole group of of us there was there was myself my sister and her boyfriend I ended up dating one of the benchies one of the bench lads actually for five years my word um (laughs) And and a lot of those older lads that um, all moved into Hull. And so we we hung out for years and years um, as, as a group. And th- I mean, a lot of them were still getting into bother. But again, it was it was never malicious or anything. I mean, I remember um, I remember one of the lads um, turning up on Christmas Day when we were at my boyfriend's dad's house turning up on Christmas day saying he'd just got out of the nick because um he'd got <laughs> he he'd gone into the wrong house on his way home on Christmas Eve and got into bed <laughs> 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 it's just like, seriously. <sighs> but, you, but you absolutely know that it was it was truthful because this is the same lad who would fall asleep like outside his his flat door you know and, and wake up and lose his keys he, he was just that kind of person so mm. you know he never meant any harm but the woman who lived there who was hitting him over the head with the frying pan I think probably <laughs> yeah. had, had different ideas and I think she turned out to be someone's auntie because that's village life isn't it <laughs> yeah absolutely how has that not been in an episode of this country that, that <laughs> scenario just <laughs> although saying that Martin Mucklow was uh got into a few beds in the village I'm sure oh that Martin Mucklow in the pub story makes me cringe still I can't <laughs> I can still hear his voice and it's like oh I don't want to know what was going on under that table and in that car park. <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird how he's I mean he we've said it a million times he's a shit house. we know he is but um <laughs> The ladies seem to like him, don't they? The, the ladies like a bad boy, and he's like the baddest of the bad boys. Yeah, they yeah, because he's always got. I can't remember the name. Has he had more than one? Has he had more than one partner in the house? Uh, um. Oh, I don't. Well, I mean, you know, he's had but obviously he, Sandra and then Sue. But I mean, yeah. he, 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 he got to, back together with Kerry's mum, didn't he? When he was chucked out. Yeah. 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 yeah, but it's uh, yeah. I think I think I don't know whether he's a guy that um, brags and lies about it because he's always going on about he's shagging Alan's wife every Thursday and oh, uh, course, and, and yes. stuff like that, or whether it's just tall tales. You know, it's about a guy mm. that thinks that he's it and he actually isn't. It's just all stories. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, the ladies seem to like a bit of the Big Dipper, don't they? They don't. <laughs> <laughs> 
They definitely <laughs> do. So what, who's your favourite character then, uh, Lucy? Oh, how can I pick? <laughs> well, you know. If we took Kerry and Curtin out of the equation, who would be your favourite supporting character? Oh, I think maybe Mandy. Yeah? I think... Um, yeah, I think I think maybe Mandy. I think Ke I mean Kerry and Curtin obviously are the most adorable, relatable. Well, they're relatable to to me and <laughs> where I grew up anyway. Um, but yeah, I think I think Mandy's a, a great character. Um, she, I th I think it's the fact that in some ways she seems so vulnerable, like she doesn't seem to know a lot. But my God, you wouldn't bloody mess with her. And I like the way she. Um, she's protecting Kerry you know when she was like staying with her protecting her but you know there's always something else going on there it's she's she's got her own agenda hasn't she definitely, definitely. especially when she got that tattoo on her my god <laughs> <laughs> I think Kerry was more worried that she was going to end up getting stalked by Mandy the same way that yes. uh, she stalked she Hannah had... Spirit from yeah. of Seven <laughs> Yes, because she had been the stalker, hadn't she? Yes. She'd been the stalker herself, yeah, yeah. But no, I think she's she's a brilliant character. But it's hard to pick, they all are. That poor vicar. Mm. I've never known anyone so patient. <laughs> Was your vicar in the village not patient with you guys? I don't... See, I remember the graveyard and I remember the church. I don't remember the vicar. I don't okay. remember the vicar. Do you remember the no. church because you almost accidentally burnt it down? We didn't accidentally, <laughs> no. We did used to knock about in the graveyard sometimes, although that was probably more when I was when I was younger. Um, but, yeah, the village hall. The village hall was where I tried my first Newcastle brown ale, sitting outside the village hall. So it was just anywhere where you could perch, wasn't it? Because mm -hmm. you didn't want to be in your house. You couldn't really leave the village. So it was anywhere where you could perch, I think, was the, was, or, or yeah, hang. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't that, we weren't very cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What about ser uh, series then? We've got the three series and the special. Do you have a favourite of them? Well, I've kind of, the special. I've missed the special. Oh, how have you not seen, yeah, the aftermath. That's between series two and series three. Oh, have I? I think I have seen that. I think I have seen that. It's all kind of in one kind of circle for me because I started at the beginning and then watched yeah. it again. Right. Um, I think the um, which which series is the oven the oven one in with oh, the, the uncle? Yeah, that's series so, what series one. That one series is yeah. One. yeah yeah with the uncle. I absolutely love that. I love everything about that episode because. Um, I think as well the way that um, the mum, so the mum is voiced by Daisy May Cooper, isn't she? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I love the way the mum's shouting down and he's pretended that he's left and, you know, how protective he is over the oven and what goes where. My husband's like that. <laughs> so I'm like watching it going, Jesus. He, he's, I, for me, when I cook, the oven goes on 180 and everything just goes in at once, but he has to, ha you know, all goes on the right shells and it's the right temperature and da da da. So that reminded me of him how um, protective Curtin was over where his pizza went on that oven shelf. So maybe season one because they're the ones that really stick out. Obviously, the Scarecrow one was the first one, wasn't it? So that was yeah. my introduction to um, this country. 
and I absolutely adore again relating to that I lived in a, a village before Cherry Burton called Walkington and um, we had the hayride every year and so it just kind of there was another episode where they went off to some village or country fate wasn't there um in, in our later series mm. um but i just love the idea of that these like cute little things that go on in villages where you get the raggy kids at and it's just i just think it's picture perfect personally <laughs> 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 uh, right, so we will chat a little bit more about this country, but I want to talk to you um, about your book. So, mm-hmm. what made you what made you write a book about uh, mental health and mental health stigmas? So, I have um, lived with panic attacks and generalized anxiety and health anxiety for many years, um, going right back to when I was very young, and. Um, I've experienced stigma and discrimination and I went to work for a a charity a housing charity and as part of my work there in comms I was speaking to people in our mental health services and asking them to share their story and as I did that I kind of thought well maybe I you know if I'm going to ask other people to share their story I should probably share mine so I I, um, I wrote a, a blog and I remember that it was the first blog I'd ever written being so, so nervous. Like, what will people think? Will they think I'm an attention seeker? Am I making all of this up? Like, you know, it, it was, it, I was so nervous. And I published it and I stuck it on Facebook and the amount of direct messages I got from people saying how helpful it was to them because they were experiencing panic and anxiety and struggling to speak about it so it kind of went from there and I started doing more um blogging and then I ended up um writing a piece for Sarah Millican's um standard issue magazine um which is um described as the no bullshit magazine for women because it's it's basically you know it's it's not about losing weight it's not about like you know what what men find attractive it's not about the best concealer it's just about life and um so it's, it was great online publication it's now a podcast um and I ended up writing a column for that so I had a fortnightly column where I would interview somebody who was usually a larger than life character um was successful in what they did but had struggled um sort of beneath the surface with a mental health problem so one of the first ones I did I interviewed my friend Paul who is just um a fabulous character he's like always the first person if there's a you know if there's a a game show or Big Brother or something he'll be applying to get on it he you know he dreams of being on Gogglebox he's such a great character but he has crippling anxiety and you know when you see him when you meet him you you wouldn't think oh that guy would have that because he's so um it's quite out there. I mean, you should see the things he's, he's the videos he's posted. They're hilarious. Um, YouTube of, uh, you know, ridiculous lycra clothing and stuff. He's just such a, an out there guy. But um, yeah, he, he struggles with it. And so I interviewed lots of people. I interviewed comedians, actors, Alistair Campbell. That was a coup. That was great. Um, um, a coup? That's the wrong word, isn't it? <laughs> a scoop. That a was scoop. a scoop. That was a scoop, not a coup. Um, but yeah, so I interviewed lots of people and then um, started working with Time to Change um, 
as a volunteer, as a media volunteer. And then I realised I was churning so much of this stuff out that there was probably enough to make a book. Um, and I was actually approached by a mental health publisher on Twitter um, asking me if I had or was writing a book and, and would I submit a proposal to them, which I did, and they published it. And then it came out in um, February 2018. Um, ironically whilst I was severely struggling with anxiety so it wasn't it was like the best and the worst of times Mm. um but yeah so it's kind of a um because I've always worked in PR and media it's kind of taking the context of the media and popular culture and looking at my experiences through the years with that so like I talk about Cherry Burton There was some supported accommodation in Cherry Burton, I think, for people with learning disabilities. Back in the 90s when we were kids, we used to call it the nut house, um, which nothing is anyway. There's no such thing. But um, first of all, we were referring to mental health problems because we didn't really understand mental illness back then. And secondly, it wasn't that. It was for people with learning disabilities anyway. So I was very conscious of the fact that I'd used stigma and that I was learning and growing. And I think there's something really important to say about um, intention. And if somebody makes a mistake in some of the language that they use, so we hear a lot of people saying, oh, God, I'm OCD or, you know, like Monica from Friends kind of thing. And it's that's that's that really hurts people who do live with OCD because it can be absolutely debilitating. But I think there's also something in not attacking that person, but just engaging with that person. So I suppose I was trying to do it in a fun, lighthearted way um, that might help people think and learn as I have. And I still am, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm still learning. And, you know, there might be things I've said a couple of years ago that I'm not happy with uh, I, I don't know I'm sure there is we all make mistakes all the time um but yeah so it's it's about exposing those stereotypes and kind of linking them to my journey so do you think it's more about education as well because I think it's very similar to things like racism with the way that and I mean, we're not a podcast that gets very heavy and deep into these kind of things but but if you look at what you could say like when I was at school to what you can say now it's the same thing with sort of derogatory remarks about people with mental health issues. I think myself and I think Neil's quite happy to say we both suffer from it as well, don't we, Neil? Oh, yes, yeah, and we, and we have for a few years. And I think it's weird. I just wonder whether you think people's attitudes have got better or changed as the time is going on, or do you think it is just the same as it's always been? I think that it has definitely got better, but I think where... I think there's still stigma. I think I still have self-stigma. I've literally, before, you know, it's great actually, because before I got on this call, I was, um, I had therapy <laughs> on the phone and I was in tears. And um, and uh, it's, um, it's a new round of therapy. So it was almost like a kind of exploratory session. Um, but I was saying that I have imposter syndrome when it comes to mental health because everybody's talking about mental health. And then I start thinking my anxiety is it's kind of, am I making it up? Mm. Is it that big a deal? Like, so, you know, that there's, it's, I think there's a lot of self stigma 
for lots of reasons, but I think because it's really hard to pinpoint mental health problems, they're a collection of experiences. Um, so there's that. But um, I think the thing that will help um, more than anything is there are lots of grand gestures and there are lots of, um, <clears throat> you know, like workplaces saying we support the Times Change pledge and, you know, we we support our colleagues with regards to mental health and, and, and they're great. But I think we need to, as a society, just be more comfortable dropping it into conversation without assuming that somebody is attention seeking. So you wouldn't think twice about going into work and saying you're tired because you've had a bad migraine. But you might think twice about going into work saying I'm knackered. I was up all night having a panic attack. Mm. Why? So I think normalizing it is the next thing. And just making it part of conversation. So yeah, we're, we're going the right way, but there's still a way to go. Yeah. Why do you think there is such stigma towards mental health then? I think um, I think it's really complex, actually. And I think obviously, if you go right back to um, you know the days of Bethlehem Hospital, um, Bethlehem Hospital, or Bedlam as they called it. Um, you know people nobody understood mental illness and people could actually pay to go into that hospital and look at um patients mm. as if they were freaks so it's obviously things have got a lot better from then obviously but it's been it's been a, a gradual process um and i think also um it's I think I think even when you have a really good understanding, there are still things you can't possibly pinpoint. And I remember on Twitter having a bit of a, an argument or debate with an academic who was telling me there is no scientific evidence to say that antidepressants work. And I was like, but I know they work for me. Mm. And so I think even when somebody has so much knowledge and research at their fingertips um because the science around it is quite difficult to evidence in some respects you can't measure serotonin levels you know but um you know that you can you, you know how you feel when you start taking antidepressants and that it, it you know makes you feel more normal for example you don't actually feel like you're off your face in a club on it you, you feel like normal um, so as far as I'm concerned, that's evidence. But um, I think there's I think there's stigma from people who don't know and stigma from people who are analytical. Mm. Because it's so it, it's so kind of invisible, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I assume everybody's anxieties are completely different. No one's gonna, nobody's going to have the same anxieties. They may have the same subjects that they get ang anxious about. But I'm sure everybody I mean, I. I have it since the, since the lockdown is where I will, before I go to bed or I'm about to go to sleep, just very stupid things go in my mind about mm. members of my family, about them being on the edge of a cliff or something stupid like that. That I've got, they're not going to be anywhere near a cliff. But for some reason, it's the last thing I think about, which then means I can't get to sleep, which yeah. then means I start thinking about loads of other things and it doesn't make any sense. And I, d I think then you start getting anxious because you're thinking of things that doesn't make sense and it becomes yeah. this never-ending cycle. And before you know it, it's three o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. I mean, you talk about the things that there's, they are so unique. 
um, for me, it was, um, I went through a phase of um, thinking I'd lock the cats in the washing machine or the dishwasher, like they couldn't even get in. They're <laughs> adult cats, and I've got three of them. And I used to have to turn it off because I could not relax. Um, but another one that was very specific to me was buses. And um, when I was in my 20s, when I lived in Hull, I'd, I'd obviously had a panic attack on a, a double-decker. So I stopped getting on double-deckers and would only get on the minibus, which I had to wait longer for. And then about four years ago, I got on the bus and I got it into my head because I was, I was experiencing quite bad panic attacks at the time. And I got it into my head that the bus was doing this. And I, and I thought the bus was going to topple. And every time I got on the bus from then on, I was absolutely terrified. I had to get the bus home and I would end up getting off like a few stops early and having to walk and thinking, why the hell is nobody else worried that this bus is mm. going to topple over? Um, and so you say things like, I think, Jesus Christ, I, I was I crazy? It sounds crazy, mm. but it's just anxiety. It's just the way anxiety is manifesting in me. And we all have our own stories i think of what we've like you've said mm. yeah have you found like the media have become better at addressing mental health i think mostly um i think that um there's i don't know if you know of natasha devon she's a brilliant mental health campaigner and writer and she launched something called the mental health media charter and basically it's to encourage um journalists or prs or just people in the media to sign up to um a, a kind of a, a pledge with regards to responsible reporting and time to change gives advice on this samaritan's mind um and yeah it's definitely got better but i know natasha shared and, and campaigned against stories like um was it the the daily star on the front page not not that long ago said something about snowflake kids getting meditation classes or something you know and as if this whole snowflake thing has become part of the conversation which is totally unfair given the crap that kids have to go through these days and the fact that they're connected to the news and they've had brexit and donald trump and boris johnson so <laughs> it's not an easy world that they're growing up in um so generally it's better there's um there's a more proactive approach to covering mental health stories and using lived experience but um there's still that sensationalist stuff that happens you know if somebody um is has been accused of murder and and then they put schizophrenia in the headline mm. actually that's really irresponsible because the majority of people with schizophrenia are very vulnerable people so mm. you know that it's it's improving but yeah there, there, there's still that balance i think between um oh we want to sell papers so let's shock and let's be responsible mm. makes for a good headline doesn't it that's the thing those kind mm. of words it always does yeah well we will put a link to the uh to your book in the show notes of the podcast um well, thank I, you it's one of those things that i think people are just are always going to be fighting against nothing any way that's uh, there's something out there to help people or make them realize what it is it's it's always a good thing so um 
yeah, that's 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 very deep for us for this <laughs> podcast. We're normally <laughs> talking. About, we're normally talking about lens stinking trousers or something. <laughs> oh god! Well, speaking yes. of Len, there you go. There's somebody with obviously mental health issues in the show. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, how did you feel that they dealt with his? Because obviously he's well, a hoarder I, and things. I think that um, you don't have to be super serious to discuss mental health problems. And I think, um, you know, showing it with a bit of comedy around it is not a bad thing at all. Um, you know, Fleabag mm. was a great example. Mm. Um, there was, a, I can't remember the name of it. Um, was it called? pure um there was a there was a, a comedy about ocd um and i i think you can i i, I see my cat <laughs> i think you can um i think you can do that i think as long as you're responsible and you're not laughing at um the situation i can be self-deprecating and it helps me mm. at, because if i look back like i always say my anxiety is like a meerkat because a therapist once said that to me and I was like yeah always on alert on the lookout for danger and it makes me giggle and it makes me be a bit less hard on myself um so I think as long as as long as it's not taking the mick out of mental health I think mental health in the you know in a humorous context is absolutely fine why yeah. not it, it 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 helps us listen it helps us learn and i i do work with um mind um and particularly coronation street on script advice um and you know you'll see examples in in scripts where there might be a character who's a bit of a pain in the ass character who says something that is very much you know stigmatizing but the point is that does happen in everyday life and that kind of character would be the one to say it. So as long as it's challenged by a nice character who we all love, then yes, you know, because that's life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So how did you feel then when you saw the the scene where Big Mandy has a collection of meerkat.com? Oh, God, <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> With the fact that you use a meerkat. <laughs> I would love things that I've got on my phone. <laughs> Oh yeah! On my fortieth birthday, um, I asked my husband if I could have um, a meerkat experience. And don't worry, it's not some bizarre bedroom thing. Where it's <laughs> um, not at all. And you know um, that all of our audience—that's exactly what they were thinking then. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually, I actually went to meet the meerkats. I did this whole meerkat experience where I could go and feed the meerkats live insects. That's a bit weird. Oh my God. And I absolutely love them. Although on the way there, and this is someone who has anxiety and lots of self-doubt and stuff on the way there, I said to my husband, what if they don't like me? And he just said, oh, for God's sake, that is so <laughs> typical of you. Like you're worried the meerkats aren't going to like you. Luckily they did. One of them bit his bum. So oh, right. That was amusing when he was bent down feeding them. But um And you're telling me that isn't a bedroom thing. Come it's on. Not a <laughs> <laughs> Although I do have I do have a, a, a little meerkat in my bedroom and one on my keyring. Right. They, yeah. I love okay. those meerkats though off the the adverts. Yeah. I think they're fabulous. Baby Oleg. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Must <laughs> home. Uh, right. Before we carry on, uh, we're going to have a little bit of a game now. We're going to play Kerry or Curtain. I'm going to oh. give you a line of dialogue. You need to tell me if it was Kerry or Curtain that told that said it. Okay. Oh God. Okay. So here we go. We've got five of them all together. Here's number one. Do your impression of Farmer Jenkins finding out about his dead wife. Was that Kerry or Curtain that said that? Oh, God, I don't know that one. I'm going to go Curtain. It was Kerry. Oh. That was the driving lesson episode. Oh! When, uh, is, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so we got, that's number one. So zero for one so far. Number two. Look at him. He's waddling like he shat himself. Curtain. That was Kerry again. No way! That was, was seeing that s- seeing slugs walking down the yeah. uh, running down the street in the Mandy that was in episode. Season one, wasn't it? That was. That was. I'm just yes. trying to redeem myself. <laughs> you don't get extra points for that, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, number three. It's my pitch. The pitch I booked three months ago with Mrs. Wicks. That is Curtain. That is Curtain. Well done, the Scarecrow. That's the episode. Scarecrow, yeah. Yes. Uh, number four. It's a bit annoying, actually. This is not the first or second time I've had to tell you, really, is it? Oh. It's a bit annoying, actually. This is not the first or second time I've had to tell you, really, is it? I don't know this one. I'm going Curtain. It was Curtain. Uh, family loyalty is when the vicar is talking to the camera crew in the bowls club with his shoes on. And, oh, uh, yes. Curtain, Curtain has a go at him for it. He's got a job there. That's right. So that's yeah. two out of four. You've done really well so far. So here we go with the last one. Pop open the boot, will you? Is that all you're giving me? That's all I'm giving you. Pop, <laughs> pop open the boot, will you? Is that Kerry or Curtain? Uh, is this is this when is this the driving lesson one? Is this when they were on the field and Kerry was fallen over? No, oh, I'm just going to go. Ke- ke- <laughs> uh, curtain. It was Kerry. Damn it! That's uh, <laughs> Kerry. That's Kerry at the tip when she's. Uh, uh, in the first episode of series three, when she's got a box full of goodies that she's stolen from the tip to get Griff to put it in at the back of his car. Pop open oh. the But two out of five, that's not bad. You had a bad so start. respectable. Bad start and a good middle and 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 then missed the last one. But that's good. Crap two out of five. That's not bad. <laughs> that's not bad at all. That's not bad at all. So th- there's... Um, not rumours now, it is actual that they're going to make a, an American version uh, of this country. Have you not? Oh, there you go. Look by that look there. You didn't know that. No. No. Well, they're making a, a pilot, um, mm-hmm. which obviously has been curtailed a little bit because of uh, the coronavirus and stuff. What are your thought? What are your initial thoughts then? Because obviously you hadn't heard that um, bombshell. Oh, I don't want them to. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably great for the writers and everybody involved i don't know who gets the the cash for that and and that's brilliant but why can't they just watch our brilliant version that's what i don't get like the office our version was fabulous why can't you know i yeah i'd I'd want them to enjoy our one i think in the cotswolds it's so english and perfect and 
yeah see i'm struggling a bit with this well it's got good pedigree behind it we will give it that there's it's not, it? yeah i mean it's full feed um the guy that did um Help me out. Freaks and Geeks, he has written The Office. Um, he's done uh, Bridesmaids, was the movie that he directed. That's what I was thinking um, so he has got a good pedigree. And also it's uh, being written as well by, uh, I can't remember her name. I'm, I'm terribly sorry. She follows us on Twitter as well. Um, but she wrote Sex in the City and she also wrote The Greatest Showman. Um, oh. so there, there is good pedigree um there i mean obviously we're not going to know anything if it doesn't get picked up from the the pilot then i'm sure mm. we probably won't even get to see the pilot but uh, you know it's it's going to be intriguing i think the americans haven't got a good strike rate that has to be said for for british comedies mm. but but i think that when they do get it right they they do a pretty good job but yeah, let's, you're, you're not let's, alone in your in your in your reaction there. I think a lot of yeah. people are thinking, just can't you just can't they just make more of the British one and yeah, just exactly you know and and can't leave. We, can't we send Kerry and Curtin off to New York or something? I mean, see what happens? To 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 be honest, it, it I think it fries their brain when they go to Gloucester. What they would be like <laughs> if they yeah. went to New York? <laughs> I honestly don't know how they would take it. I don't think they would be able to talk. Yeah, I yeah. really don't. I think their their brain just would not be able to compute things like Times Square. It'd be like being living on another planet. Oh, I'd love to see that though. It would be fun. I think it yes. would be fun. <laughs> saying that, Lucy, where do you think Kerry and Curtin would be in like ten years time? Oh, I think Curtin. I think Curtin will be um, working in like. He'll have done an apprenticeship or something, and I think he'd be working in IT for local government. (laughs) 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 And I think... (laughs) (laughs) I'd quite like to see Kerry's uh, pet sitting business take off, actually, and see her become a, a, you know, good-standing local businesswoman, um, but obviously not allow any hamsters or rabbits to die in the care. I, I, so I'd like to think maybe Kerry, maybe Kerry could do some college courses on animal care and launch her pet sitting business properly. Yeah. I think I think she could do pet sitting stroke pet burial as like a as a double as a double thing. <laughs> she's edging a bet. So if things go bad, she's got a way of making a bit of money. If it goes bad, but if it goes good, That's... you know. That's a very good idea. I was talking about pet burial recently because. Um, I was remembering because we buried the wrong cat in Cherry Burton once. What, and as in one that, one that hadn't died, or it had died? Oh right, thank God for ours. that. Oh right, oh. Right. <laughs> but we buried. <laughs> it wasn't accidentally set on fire, was it? Please tell me. No, it <laughs> no, no animals were harmed in the um, <sighs> accidental arson. Um, accidental. Accidental, please. Um, but yeah, that's that. I'll never forget that my dad burying this cat. In fact, this so this belonged to a lad from the village, and my sister only told him about two years ago, and he didn't take it well. <sighs> really? Oh. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. did he think had happened to his cat? Well, I think he maybe just thought that it had found some other owner that was feeding it go cat or something. But oh, in actual fact, God. it was dead at the bottom of our garden. <laughs> 
um yeah she said uh, you know even though he's like 42 now and this was back when we were like 15 or something she said it was new year's it was new year's eve as well she totally spoiled the night for him oh yeah. my goodness <laughs> you can't come back from that what a bombshell that is on new year's eve <laughs> i know i know but then again you know my sister's taken the blame for uh putting a window through at the local pavilion for many years so that's you know, true these things eventually come out indeed yeah. yes <laughs> Oh dear, what a roller coaster that's been. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been like hearing confessionals for the last sort of 40 minutes or so. Um, so what, what are you working on at the moment? Is there things that you can tell us that you're working on at the moment? Yeah, I'm, um, so I'm writing fiction and I'm Ooh. absolutely loving it. I'm writing humorous fiction. Um, it's always got a mental health kind of, message i suppose but it's it's first and foremost fun i think and so the first one i've written i'll not give too much away because it's on submission with editors at the minute but um it's set in hull in the 90s and um it's about two friends emma and dave um they're not like kerry and Kurt. <laughs> um but yeah so there's um so so that's got quite a bit about like punk rock music and the 90s and whole um and family and relationships and then i've written another which is in first draft also setting hull in the 80s i love i love setting them in the 80s or 90s because then you can have fun with all the nostalgia and mm. the crap music and stuff well then the good music as well <laughs> um the crap clothes and crap hairstyles um <laughs> And I'm writing one now, which um yeah, I'm 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 like four thousand words in, so we'll see how that goes. I'm currently doing the research on it. Nice. So, yeah, exciting. Keeping yourself luck, busy. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Lucy, thank you very much for spending some time with us. It's been a real pleasure. It's been loads of fun. <laughs> it's and, been um, great. I've enjoyed awesome. it. And and if the Yorkshire police do start emailing us, we know nothing. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, thank you. I'd really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. If I just keep giving out my um, surname without two L's. Exactly. Without an yes. L. Without an L, yes. So it's just Nico. That's fine. That'll be yeah. fine. We'll, we'll sort yeah. that out. Although, if you could use Smith, that would be even That would be even better, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thank you Neil do you want to uh, do your little bits and pieces absolutely you can find us on all the social media sites under WTAFTC pod come and give us a follow on any of those please do you can email us at WTAFthiscountry at hotmail.com unless that's changed now no that's fine that's still the same, <laughs> still the same. and WTAFpodcast.com is the home of our website where you can find everything like tickets for our last live show Indeed. And the last live show now that has been moved to May 28th, 2021, uh, because of all the gubbins that's been going on. Uh, you can buy us a coffee if you want to support the podcast. Go to ko-fi.com forward slash WTAFTC pod uh, or come and be a Patreon bozo at patreon.com forward slash WTAF uh, and helps us support the podcast and keeps us going and keeps us doing it for free. Uh, that's it thank you very uh, very much again Lucy thanks for having me it's been thank great you. fun thank you very much Neil thank you very much Pavo thank you very much everybody else and go and get plumbed you fuckers Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year <laughs> oh!
Dachau? This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal. Phenomenal.